<laughs> I want to preach a sermon to you this morning entitled, God Shares. God Shares. And I thank God that he does share this morning with me and with you. This is the last sermon in our series, What If We Prayed? Next week, we'll kick off a new series called Counter Culture. And we're going to preach about some controversial topics. And we're going to see what the Word of God says about controversial topics like abortion and homosexuality and racism and poverty. And we're going to dig in and we're going to see what God says about these issues. And we're going to stand up on what God says about these issues. But today, our last sermon of this series, God Shares. You know, teaching a child to share can be a challenging endeavor. Teaching an adult to share can be a challenging endeavor. (laughs) Our human nature is to hold on to what we've got, isn't it? And if we are honest with ourselves and with others, we're, we're all like that maybe to some level. We get something and, and, and you know, we want to hold on to it. But uh, God's nature is not a selfish nature. God's nature is a giving nature. I was reminded when I was thinking about uh, an example for this sermon this morning, I was reminded about something that we use in technology now these days to share. There is something known as a Google Doc. Let me see your hand. If anybody ever used a Google Doc, anybody in the building? Now, this side over here is is like on the technology, and then there's a few over here. So you all need to share with this side (laughs) and show them the Google Doc. Well, a Google Doc is, you may be familiar if you sit down at a computer and you type something on, let's say, Microsoft Word or whatever, you type up a document, uh, and then in the olden days, we would type that, we would edit it ourselves, we might share it through email, we might print it, etc., etc. But now we can take, in a Google Doc, you can type a document, and then you can hit a share button, and you can share it with anybody else, and as soon as you share it with them... They can go into your document, and it is now their document too. And they can go in and edit that document. They can add to, they can take away, they can, they can make notes over to the side. It's an amazing uh, collaboration tool. And so I use it every week. I will, I will write my sermon, and then I hit share, and I share it with Amy so the technology booth can have it, and they can follow along and put the scriptures up at the right time. They could also edit it, and and I welcome, if you all want to edit before Sunday, just go right in there and make it a little better, and and we'll we'll be ready. But we can share those documents with other people. If I can say it this way, if we look at our life as a work in progress, as a document in progress, I think it would be very wise if we would sit down and hit the share button with God and let God edit our lives. Does that make sense? Now, now the theme this morning is God shares. He wants to share with us. He wants to edit into and out of our lives, but we must be willing to allow him access and hit the share button with him and let him be the editor and owner, if you will, of our lives, of the document of our lives. What does God choose to share with us? Well, that brings us to the last part of this beautiful prayer that we've been working our way through where it says, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
his kingdom, his power, his glory. It is his. It all belongs to him. But he wants to share those things with us. Look with me, please, Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. Just a foundational verse this morning. It says, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers or foreigners. I'm not separated as a child of God anymore, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. I am thankful that when I came to him in repentance, when I came to him and experienced salvation, God extended his family to me and I have been brought in to his household. And I believe I'm preaching to a room of people this morning that hopefully all of us have have become members of the household of God. If we haven't, today is the day of salvation and we can do that. This wonderful household, look at verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I am thankful that this great kingdom of God that has been built through the eons of time, through the prophets and, and, the, and the teachers and preachers that came before me, but most importantly, that cornerstone of Christ. I'm thankful that all of that is extended to me and it's extended to you and we can come into this great kingdom of God. Why? Because God shares. Let's talk about the kingdom. We're going to look at the kingdom, the power, and the glory. God shares his kingdom. Now, what is God's kingdom? What is God's kingdom? God's kingdom, I think, can be summed up with two R's, ruling and reigning, ruling and reigning. God's kingdom, it is God's ruling, and it is God's reigning. Presently speaking, I believe that God can rule and reign in my heart and in my life. And I want to encourage us this morning. I want us to, to, to probe our hearts and to think this morning. Who is leading our lives? Who is ruling in our lives and reigning over our lives and greatly influencing our lives? First and foremost, may it be God. May he be ruling and reigning presently in our hearts and in our lives. You see, when we come to know Christ as our Savior, it's more than just making a profession of faith. When we truly become a Christian and a child of God, a change begins to be made in our lives. Our lives change and we begin to grow more and more like Christ and we allow him to rule and reign in our lives. Is the kingdom of God here presently? Yes, in a lot of ways it is. Jesus, as he preached many times, he taught about the kingdom. And he said to them, the kingdom of God has arrived. I am here to make a difference. God is ruling and reigning in our hearts and our lives if we let him be. And the good news is that God takes, David Jeremiah said this, he takes the nobodies of this world and he makes them somebodies in his kingdom. He takes the nobodies of the world and he makes them somebody in his kingdom. I believe that his kingdom can be shared in and through my life presently. But also, his kingdom is going to come in the future. And he shall reign, the Bible says, forever and forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. What are you talking about, pastor? I'm talking about there is going to be a time when God's kingdom comes and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And the former things, the Bible says, will pass away and he shall reign forever and forever. 
that beautiful kingdom, we can share in it if we know Christ as the Lord and Savior of our lives. In that beautiful kingdom, the curse of sin will be totally destroyed. That's a beautiful thought. All of the things, the pain, the heartache, the death, the disappointment, all these things that we face in this life, and we wring our hands and we cry and we struggle and, and all of these things will be gone. The curse of sin will be totally destroyed in God's kingdom. And perfection will reign. I thank God that this world isn't all that I have to look forward to. This world and its riches, this world and anything that may entice me, this world that we live in is not my final destination. My final destination will be ruling and reigning with him in the kingdom of God. What does that do? That gives me hope. That gives me encouragement. That gives me joy to know that even when the times are tough, even when life is hard, even when I find myself in situations I never thought I would be in, I can look to a brighter tomorrow and one day I'm going to share with him in his kingdom. It's eternal kingdom and of his kingdom there shall be no ending. Let me encourage you this morning, if you think, amen. If you're down and out and you're disappointed and you're hurting, this is not all that it is. There's a kingdom that's going to come. Lift up your head and be encouraged this morning. His kingdom is going to come and he wants to share it with me and with you. Look at Isaiah 33, 22, please. For the Lord is our judge. And the Lord is our lawgiver. And the Lord is our king. You know what that's saying. He's got all power. He's got all rights. He has all authority. He's got everything under control. He's in charge of everything. But that last line just puts the exclamation point to the whole passage. And he will save us. I want to tell somebody this morning that God is not out to get you. God is not out to hurt you. God is not out to harm you. In fact, as the psalmist said, God is seeking you out so he can lift you up out of the miry clay and plant our feet upon a firm foundation. He's out looking for us that he can put a song in our heart and a strength in our step. God will save us. God will save us. Thank God that he wants to share his kingdom with you and with me. Secondly, he wants to share his power. Everybody say power. Power. Well, what is God's power? And why do we need it? I thought a lot about that question and I just came up with really one word that I wanted to use to describe his power. It's strength. It's strength. I am totally dependent upon the power and the strength of Almighty God. It is God's power that got me out of bed this morning. It was God's power that helped me get those little sleepers out of my eyes this morning. And to comb down my cowlick in the back. Actually, I don't have a cowlick in the back. I have a double crown, though. That's not a bald spot. It's a double crown. Let the record show. 
It's God's power that got me out of bed this morning. It's God's power that helped me to get dressed and come to this place. It's God's power that helps me on my good days. And it's God's power that lifts me up on my bad days. His power is my very life. And I am dependent upon the power of God. Totally dependent upon his power. But the good news is he's not going to cut me off. AEP might cut us off. Dominion power might cut us off. If we don't write our check or automatic deposit, we might go to turn our curling iron one day and the power is gone. But God has no intention of cutting his power off to us. He wants to keep us alive. He wants to keep us alive physically and he wants to power us and give us strength spiritually. God wants to share his power with us. And even in my failure, even in my frailty, and even in my faults, God still wants to share his power with me. Now, I know you, you look at me and you say, you have no failure or fault or frailty. I know you think that, but it's not true. <laughs> Sometimes I do goofy things. I know that surprises so many people. Everybody's like, nope, not surprised about that. Sometimes I run out of gas. I would use Emily's example. She ran out of gas a few weeks ago. But I will not embarrass you in front of everyone to talk about that, Emily. Because we're blaming it on the gas gauge, aren't we? We're blaming it on the gas gauge. I won't embarrass myself to say that when I went and tried to get the gas into the tank, I could not get the, the muzzle to, to work on the top. And Brandon, thank the Lord, was coming by. And he said, can I help you? And I said, yeah, would you please help me? He said, why don't we just take the top off of it, Pastor, and we'll just pour it in like that. I said, yeah, let's do that. So thank you, Brandon, for saving, saving a wretch like me on the side of the road. So I will not embarrass Emily. I will not embarrass myself. But I wanted to tell you, unfortunately, that's not the only running out of gas story that, that is in our lives. When we used to uh, be the youth pastors at Baston Church of God, we, we would travel in. It was about 45 minutes away. And some weekends we would go stay in a little parsonage all weekend. And some weekends we would go in on Saturday. And, and then some weekends we'd go in first thing on Sunday morning. This was one of those first thing on Sunday morning weekends. And I'm zipping down the interstate and I'm about to be late for Sunday school that started at 10 o'clock. And I, I pull off the interstate and up the exit ramp. The same exit ramp that I received a moving traffic violation for running a stop sign. I thought we were yielding right there. I thought I was merging into traffic. That's a whole other story. I try to avoid that intersection, that exit. There's another exit. I'll just go to that from now on. Same place, and I get to the stop sign, and I push the gas. Well, I push the brake first. I actually stopped that time. No more tickets. Stopped. Push the gas, and I'm still stopped. And I push the gas some more, and I'm still stopped. And then finally, being the genius that I am, I realize I am out of gas. I'm out of time, I'm running late, and I'm out of gas. The gas is gone. And thank the Lord for this little lady who was on her way to church and stopped and picked me up and took me down to the filling station. We filled up and took it back and poured it in. I was out of gas. Whose fault was it? My fault. Who did it? I did it. Lack of planning, lack of being prepared, lack of paying attention. But can I tell you that even in our times in life where we run out of gas, 
Sometimes we don't have the power that we need to move our lives forward. And sometimes it's our own fault. Sometimes it's lack of planning. It's lack of devotion. It's lack of praying. We have neglected the things of God. We've, we've not really been where we ought to be. And spiritually speaking, we run out of gas. I want to tell us this morning that even in those times, God is merciful to us. And when we look to him, he'll still refill our tanks. Isn't that beautiful? The mercies of God are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And sometimes in our lives, we don't have the power that we need, and it's our own fault. But if we'll look back to God, he wants to share his power with us. That's good news this morning. Even in my failure, even in my frailty, even in my faults, God wants to give me his power and his strength. Look at Job 26, begin at verse 7. I wanted to just read a little bit about the expansiveness of God's Power, the expansiveness of his power. He stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing, nothing but the word of his power. He binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. He covers the face of his throne and he spreads his cloud over it. He drew a circular horizon on the face of the waters at the boundary of light and, and darkness. All this is done by the power of God. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his rebuke. He stirs up the sea with power. And by his understanding, he breaks up the storm. By his spirit, he adorned the heavens. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Look at verse 14. Indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways. That really spoke to me, the edges. That, we, we don't even comprehend the full power of God. Nor can we fully handle the full power of God. I believe one reason that when we are in eternity with God, he's going to give us a glorified body is because this natural carnal body we can't even stand the full presence and power of God we're just really on the edges of that great expansive power of God look at that second part of verse 14 and how small a whisper we hear of him how small a whisper we hear of him that really touched my heart when I read that I want to tell you all we need sometimes is just a whisper from God just a whisper, and that's enough. Just a whisper of his power. Just the edge of his power. The little lady who pressed through the crowd, she just wanted to barely touch him. She said, that's going to be enough. I want to tell you, his power is available to us. And when we need his power, he will come through. If it's like a thunder, look, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? If that power comes through like a thunder, but it may come through just like a whisper. But his power is here, his strength, his energy, his ability. God shares his power with us. What is God sharing this morning? He's sharing his kingdom. He's sharing his power. And the last point is God wants to share his glory. God wants to share his glory. We find in Exodus 33 and 34 a story of, of Moses. Moses had seen the mighty, glorious acts of God. 
Moses had seen the parting of the waters. He had seen God leading his people. He had seen mighty, miraculous things that God had done. One definition of of glory is giving esteem and honor for notable achievements. And I want to tell you this morning that God wants to share his glory in our lives in the sense of notable achievements. God wants to do things for us at times that we can't do for ourselves. God still works miracles. Do you believe that this morning? God still answers prayer. Do you believe that this morning? God still wants to do notable achievements among us that we might glorify him and give him glory, but he wants to share that glory with us. But Moses is saying in Exodus 33 and 34, he's saying, God, he's going a little deeper here, and I believe we ought to grab a hold of this. He's saying, God, I have seen your mighty acts. I have seen your notable achievements. I have seen these great testimonies. And and all these things are wonderful. And we, we glory in them and we glorify God for them. But Moses said, I want to see your presence. I want to see your presence. And God takes him up and and God passes by him, but he can only see a limited amount, or sense really, a limited amount of the presence. Of God, And I want us to grab something this morning. God wants to share his glory by doing great things for us and doing great things among us. But God wants to share his very presence with us. What did he do in the garden every day before the fall? He came down and he walked with them in the cool of the day. He was present with them. He fellowshiped with them. And I think the greatest longing in our lives, whether we, whether we always know it or not, but the greatest longing and need in our lives is that fellowship in the presence of God. Moses wanted that. There was a term that they used in Old Testament times, the Shekinah glory. It was a Hebrew word meaning dwelling or settling. And I say, God, I need your Shekinah glory to dwell over me. I need your Shekinah glory to settle over me. I need that divine presence of God. If one has ever been in that Shekinah glory, We're never satisfied with anything else. If a church has ever experienced the settling and the dwelling of the Shekinah glory of God, we will never ever be satisfied with a substitute or something artificial. And I want to tell you this morning as this body of believers, I think, I say God dwell among us. I say, God, when we come together on Sunday mornings and worship you and declare your word, you are welcome here. Your Shekinah glory is welcome to settle here and dwell among us. See, there is no substitute. There is no entertainment factor. There are no flashing lights or fog machines or or hooping and hollering or or any kind of, of dancing or doing anything that can substitute For the Shekinah glory of God. Am I preaching all right this morning? It's his presence that makes the difference. 
It's that Shekinah dwelling, settling presence. I say, God, over our families. May your presence settle over our families. From the dad to the mom to the children to the grandchildren. May your Shekinah presence and glory dwell and and settle among us. May our lives be lived within the glory of God's presence. Why is that possible? Because he wants to share. He wants to share. He doesn't look at us and say, I want to hold on. To my presence? No, he looks at us and he longs to extend his presence to us. You see, God shares his glory with us in his mighty acts and in his mighty presence. And finally, would you say this word with me forever? Forever. He, shared his, he wants to share his kingdom and his power and his glory. That last part of this beautiful model prayer that says, Thine is the kingdom. And the power and the glory. And then he says forever. What does he mean when he says forever? I'm going to be so theologically deep right here. Forever means forever. (laughs) Do I need to break that down? (laughs) Forever means just what it says. Forever. God's not going away. God is eternal. And his kingdom shall have no ending. His power will have no limits. And his glory will know no boundaries. How long? Forever and forever and forever and forever. And I and you can be part of that if we so choose. If we want to be. So what's our response here? I think it should bring confidence in our Christian living. I think everything we've talked about this morning should serve as reminders and encouragement to us and it should bring confidence to us that we can indeed live this Christian life because God is sharing with us. And it also should bring confidence in our Christian praying. If God loves me so much that he wants to share his kingdom and his power and his glory, certainly his ears are open to my prayers. Certainly he wants to hear my prayers and he wants to answer and work on my behalf. So I say pray on, church, pray on. And then that final word of the prayer said, amen. Amen. What does amen mean? Let it be so. Or so be it. Or so be it. When I have gone through that entire model prayer and I have prayed my Father which art in heaven and I have, I have asked for my daily bread and I have forgiven trespasses as those who have forgiven trespass against me and then I've come to this last part of the prayer where, where I've said Thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory. When I finish it all, when I pray, I should say, amen, so be it, because God, you're going to take care of it. God shares life with us, both now and throughout all eternity. You see, God wants to share, will I receive? I want us to recite the Lord's Prayer together this morning, if you wouldn't mind. Matthew 6, beginning at verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Let's pray it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
God's people must live in the power of God's strength. If they would come and get a song ready for this morning before we leave. God's people must pray in the power of God's strength. And as we do that, let us do it with confidence that God shares. God shares. Here's how I want us to dismiss this morning. Here's how I want us to end our sermon time together this morning. I have had the distinct honor and privilege to grace this pulpit now for one year. And it's been a wonderful year for us. You have welcomed us. You have been good to our children. You have been loving to us and accepting to us and gracious to us. And I thank you for that. I thank God for bringing us together in his timing and in his way. And I believe God has great plans for us together. I remind us of the sermon series that we started a year ago with. Bold together. Bold together. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that I believe because God shares with us, because God pours out blessings upon us, I believe we can be bold and aggressive in these last days to do ministry together. And that together part speaks to cooperation and unity and love. And I I love the unity that we have here, and we must keep unity. Amen. We must love one another. As the old song says, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. I believe the only weapon, the only attack that the enemy could use to stop what God is doing at Nortonsville Church of God and what he's done for the last 75 plus years, I believe the only thing that he can really stop us with is if he pulls us apart. Because everything else, we're more than conquerors through Christ. Everything else, he gives us the power to defeat the enemy and the obstacles. So I say, let's be bold together. But can I take it to a personal level as we close the sermon this morning? And we've we've talked about God giving us his kingdom and his power and his glory. Here's what I want us to do before we leave this house. As individuals, I want to remind you of something we said in that series. Pray with boldness. Pray with boldness. We're ending this series about what if we pray. And before we leave this house this morning, I'm going to ask us all in just a few moments to bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want you to pray with a renewed boldness in God. I want you to pray with a renewed faith in God. I want you to pray reminded that He really does hear our prayers. And He really is able to answer our prayers. Is that all right this morning? And if there's been something you've been praying about and you've been struggling about and you've been seeking God about, I just say this, child of God, pray on, pray on, pray on. Ring the prayer bells of heaven. Shake the throne room of God with your prayers. Pray boldly. Pray boldly. Not because the power belongs to me or to you, but because the power belongs to Him. And the answer is on the way. I said the answer is on the way so right now I tell you what I don't, I don't, you don't even have to stand up would you just bow your heads right where we are right where we are over this building they're going to sing a song but I just want you to pray boldly before we leave this house I just want you to, to approach the throne of God with boldness this morning not boldness because of who I am or who you are but 
boldness because of who he is. Our God is high and lifted up. His ears are open. Pray boldly. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't.